Welcome and good morning. May the peace of God be with you. As is our custom, today is the first Sunday of the month, and so today we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. You were handed the communion elements as you walked in. Uh, just a fair warning, they can be a bit tricky. Uh, so if you would like to, take your time any time during the service to kind of prep yourself, open up at least the first part to get to the wafer. Uh, that'll make it easier for you when we get to that near the end of our time together this morning. We're going to begin our service of worship on this second Sunday of Advent by singing the hymn, Angels from the Realms of Glory. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We praise you, O God, for this circle of light. As we light the candles of this wreath. Enlighten us with your grace. Grant this through Christ our Lord.
Let us pray together the prayer of the day. Stir up our hearts, Lord God, to prepare the way of your only Son. By his coming, strengthen us to serve you with purified lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the Old Testament book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit at a as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. This is the word of the Lord. And reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79, read responsively. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. Let us continue by singing the hymn, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. Thank you. 
1, 3 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this, to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that on the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Today marks the second Sunday of Advent as we prepare for the celebration of Christmas, which comes in only a few weeks. The second candle on the Advent wreath, which we lit just moments ago, represents the theme of peace. Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace, the source of God's peace for you and for me. Peace is certainly something that we all long for. It happens to be one of the things that I find myself most often praying for others when they ask me to pray for them. I pray that we would all experience God's peace this week, peace which surpasses understanding. One of our lectionary texts came from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Paul wrote, this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight 
to help you determine what is best. Once again, just as with Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica last week, this letter contains a prayer for the church. Paul is praying in this text of his letter that the Philippian Christians would experience love. Love that overflows with knowledge and insight. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, let's notice one, one key word in this prayer. Overflow. Imagine that your soul is a cup. And we together then this morning are a collection of cups. As God pours love into each one of our cups, they begin to fill and eventually overflow into the cups of others. And then imagine that all of our cups, which are together to here in community, are filled together with God's love, so much so that they overflow into the cups of other people even outside our community. So on, so on, and so forth. As we are receiving God's love and letting it fill us, it overflows and then goes through us into the lives of others. The cups of other people around you begin to fill up as the love of God overflows from your life. Paul is praying that the church would receive God's love in just such a way. That God's love would fill the cup of your soul and that then it would overflow into the world around you. Now pause and consider a very important implication of this metaphor. If we are closed off to receiving God's love, then we can neither benefit from it nor overflow with it. It can't fill us, touch us, and transform us, and neither can it bless those around us. You could say we have a choice to put our hand over the cup of our soul, so to speak, and resist the love of God. God gives us free will, after all. We have choices to make, and one choice we can all make is whether or not we receive the love that God has for us. This is a very important choice. Paul recognizes that we have this choice, and he prays that the Philippian church and all those who would read this letter after would be open to receive the beautiful, powerful, transformative love of God. Now, some of you may be thinking, that all sounds wonderful, Sam. I love how you're talking about love. But how do I open my cup? How do I receive God's love? There are a variety of ways, in fact. There's not just one way to be open and receive God's love. But I'm going to introduce you to one way, just one among many ways, that could be a simple starting place for some of us today or this week. It's called soaking prayer. It's very simple. You don't have to have a master's degree to do it. It's not complicated, and it doesn't require formal training. You simply set aside a little time, create a quiet space, and you invite God to fill your cup. You come as you are, with all the things you bring. You simply say at the beginning, Here I am, Lord. I'm just here to be with you, to receive your love. 
I know people who have done this as a regular morning routine. I know others who do it before going to sleep in the evening. I know others who do it both in the morning and the evening, and others still who do it once a week or as they feel led. I know others who find a comfortable chair, a place where they can put their hands on their lap with their palms open up, and they just simply pray, Lord, pour your love into me. I'm here. I just want to be with you. And it's, that's it. It's as simple as that. Now that might be a new and helpful rhythm for some of you to implement in your schedule this week. You may encounter, just so that your heads are aware that you know what's coming, you may encounter God in a fresh way. You may hear God speak to you. You may feel something profound. Or you may hear nothing, feel nothing, or sense nothing new. But make no mistake, when we are intentional to set aside even five minutes with the creator of the universe, it is never a waste of time, no matter what happens. Whether you think you hear God speak, whether you don't or do feel something or not, if you set aside time to just be with God, it is never a waste of time. Let's return to one other thing Paul said in this short passage. He prayed that the church's love would overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best. Love is many things. God's love is our lifeblood. And in God's love we live and move and grow. And God's love is the source of our knowledge and insight into what is best. There are many good things in life. Friends, family, community, service, vocation, generosity, recreation, coffee, chocolate, superhero movies. Those last three are some of my particular favorites. Coffee, chocolate, and superhero movies. Paul is saying that God's love teaches us about what is best. Sometimes really, really good things get in the way of the best thing. So how do we decide? How do we determine? How do we discern what is the best thing? Once again, we need to allow the love of God to flow into us, overflow through us, and teach us. Teach us what is the best thing. Show us through wisdom what is the best thing. The more you and I receive the love of God, the more God's love shapes how we think and how we live. God's love is the most transformative force in the universe. It has the power to bring everything out of nothing. It has the power to perform miracles and signs and wonders. It has the power to walk right through death into resurrection. God's love is the most powerful thing ever of all time anywhere. As we receive God's love, it will change how we think. We won't see people the same way anymore. We won't see ourselves the same way anymore. We won't see life and pain and suffering and celebration and happiness. We won't see them the same way anymore. Our vision will be transformed. We will see people with compassion. We'll see ourselves with compassion. We'll notice opportunities to give, to help, to serve, to love. We will have hope, even in circumstances where other people feel tremendously hopeless. 
God's love changes us slowly and consistently and deeply. But for that love to change us, we have to have an open cup. Back to my metaphor from the beginning. Paul prays the Philippian church would know what is best. We can only live the best life when we know what is the best life. We can only know what is best when we receive God's love. So the invitation is quite simple. Receive the love of God for you today, throughout this week. Don't resist it. Don't let anything get in the way. Carve out time and space. Take your hand off the cup. Hold it out before God. Invite God to pour love into your soul, your heart, your mind, your body. And then, this is one of my favorite things to do while intentionally seeking to receive the love of God, pay attention. Stay awake and pay attention to how God's love changes things for you. Pay attention to how God's love changes you. Pay attention to how God's love changes others as it pours through you. Because that right there is some of the most important stuff we need to see. May each of us know we are loved by God and that God's love flows powerfully through us into others. Amen? Amen. Let's continue our service of worship by singing the next hymn. You'll see this on page 9. Prepare the Royal Highway.
Now I invite you to join with me on page 10 in reading together the Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Creator, the earth and all that is in it belongs to you. Inspire us to use what you have made, to give justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry, and freedom to the captives. May our offerings, given in your name, lift up those who are bowed down. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we come to the time of the prayers of the congregation, I just want to invite you, as you've gathered with us this morning, if you come carrying a heavy burden, something that maybe you yourself are going through in this season of your life, or maybe you are concerned or the well-being of another person is weighing heavy on your heart and mind, I invite you to indicate that this morning by raising your hand. Okay. Let me pray for these. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you, first of all, that you hear every one of our prayers. And Lord, we come before you on behalf of our brothers and sisters who've raised their hands this morning for all the various situations these hands represent. We pray for peace. We pray for healing, for hope. We pray for restoration and reconciliation, for miraculous provision for guidance and wisdom. We thank you, Lord, that in every one of these situations you are already at work. That as we come in prayer before you, recognizing that these are great needs or these are, are great things that weigh on our own hearts, souls, and minds, we entrust them to your care. And we pray that you would meet the needs represented in every one of these situations. Bless us, we pray, and help us to trust you with the people and the situations and relationships and needs that these hands represent. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Continuing on page 12 with the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. 
Lift up our hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In just a few moments, we will be taking communion together, so I wanted to give you another heads up to be prepared to try and open these uh, containers here. We're going to begin with the, the bread and then eventually the cup. But I want to pray a prayer of blessing over the supper as we will be sharing in communion together. So I will pray and then I will lead you into the Lord's Prayer, which I'll invite you to join me in praying, and then we will take the communion elements together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gift of communion, the Eucharist, this very special meal that we celebrate on a regular rhythm, to be reminded of that original meal where Jesus sat down with his disciples. He gave gave thanks, he broke bread, and he passed the cup. And in these elements, Jesus said to his disciples, this is my body in the bread, and it's broken for you. This is my blood in the cup, and it is shed for you. As we remember that very special meal, every time we take communion, we are reminded of the identity of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the gift that this meal represents, your ultimate sacrifice of love on the cross, on our behalf and on the behalf of all across the globe and across human history. You paid the debt for sin. And so, Lord, we thank you for that gift. We thank you for this meal. We pray that you bless these elements to the empowerment of our soul, our heart, our mind, and our body. May we carry the body and blood of Jesus in us, that the love of God overflows through our lives into the lives of others. And together, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In celebrating the Lord's Supper together, I invite you to take the wafer out of the top of the container. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Whenever we do this, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. Let us take. In the same way, Jesus took a cup, passed it to his disciples, thanked the Lord for it, and said, This represents 
my blood shed for you and shed for the sins of the whole world. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us take. And now we will continue our service of worship by singing the hymn, Hark the Glad Sound. the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thank you, God.